If you were here last week, uh, week or you watched online, then you know that we shared with you the prophetic word for Soma Church for 2021. Every year we ask God to give us a word or a phrase, um, something that serves as uh, like a mandate for our church going into the new year. And the word for 2021 is rise up. Rise up. Everybody say it. Say it with conviction. Rise up. Now, listen, I know that it's hard not to immediately think politics, but that's not the word that I want going on in your head, okay? The word that I want in your head is the word personal, okay? This is about personally, Ezra 10, chapter 4, personally, rise up, take courage, and do it. Amen? Rise up is about personally taking responsibility for your spiritual life. In uh, Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That's it. That's it right there. It's what he says and it's how he says it. He says it with passion. He says it with resolve. Nothing's going to sway him from the power of of his resurrection. Okay, the power of his resurrection, what does that mean? Well, we know Jesus died on the cross. Affirm that with an amen. amen. And we know that he rose from the grave. Affirm that one. Amen. Yes, God raised him from the dead. And when he did, everybody look at me. Victories were won. Victories were won. The power of death was defeated. The power of sin was defeated. Why is that important? Well, the Apostle Paul in chapter 7, he says, wretched man that I am, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Wretched man that I am. Everyone can say that, can't they? Everyone can say wretched man that I am because there's always stuff going on in our heads. And in our heart, stuff we don't want to be there, but it always is, right? By and large, you know, churches and pastors have gotten away from challenging the saints to rise up and move from wretched to righteous. It's a growing trend. Years ago, I was the worship pastor at a church and uh, led the worship and would sometimes write songs, right? And one time I wrote a song that it started out with, I'm a wretch. <laughs> I'm a wretch, and I am poor, and I don't deserve to come to the table where you've invited me to dine. And that's true, right? God's prepared a table for us, and we don't deserve to be there. Up against the holiness of God, we're wretched, right? But the chorus says, but your grace has brought me here, right? An empty chair for me to fill. And my place is with you here. So let me stay here for a while. Let me stay here for a while. 
that next week at staff meeting, my pastor said, hey, man, let's, let's don't do that song anymore. And I was like, what you talking about, Willis? He said, it's just kind of depressing. He said, I don't think people want to sing about being wretched. Okay, first of all, hey, I wrote that song. Dude, lay off, man. I'm kind of insecure about this now, you know. Second of all, God's gracious desire and ability to bring me and keep me at his table is depressing? No. The thought of forever being trapped in the body of this death, that's depressing. Amen? I think people do ask the question, who will set me free from this body of this death? And so this morning, the title of my message is Rise Up in Freedom. Rise Up in Freedom. And you know that I like to give a sermon in a sentence, one sentence that keeps us focused as we move forward through this message. And this morning, my sermon in a sentence is, if we just go along to get along, it won't be long until we're long past gone. And I know it's kind of funny, but think about that. If we just go along to get along, it won't be long until we are long past gone. Let's start with the answer to that question, okay? Who will set me free from this body of death or the body of this death? Well, we know the answer is Jesus, right? We can affirm that, right? We know that. We say that. I am free in Christ. We sing those songs. I am free to run. Y'all remember that one? I am free to dance. Y'all don't remember that one? Yeah, I am free to live for you. And we shout it, and we sing it, and we stomp it. But do we know why we are free? Do we know how we got there? Do we really know what it means to be free in Christ? What does that even look like? Okay, so the verse we want to look at is actually just two verses later. Romans 7, 24, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body the body of this death. And then a couple of verses later, it actually goes into the next chapter. Of course, we know there weren't chapters back then. There weren't verses. This was a letter. So he is in the same train of thinking. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set you free from the law of sin and death. Remember, Body of this death covers two categories, sin and death. And Paul says that those who are in Christ are no longer condemned in these two areas. We used to be. You guys remember that? Y'all remember when we used to be condemned? Death, sin, reigned and rule in our life. Y'all remember that? Come on, you remember those days when we were miserable without Christ, far away from him? In darkness, lonely, miserable. Remember those days? I remember. I remember being in bondage before I knew Jesus. I was sitting in a cold, dark, scary, depressing, 
prison cell. I was like King David in Psalm 142 where he says, set me free from my prison. He wasn't even in prison. He was in a cave hiding from King Saul. But he felt trapped. He felt imprisoned. I want you to listen to me. If you always feel a sense of being overwhelmed, trapped, scared, depressed, wretched, then you either don't know Christ, you're not truly born again, maybe you think you are, or maybe you know that you're not, but you you either don't know Christ or you don't know the power of his resurrection. It's one of the two. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, through his spirit, he set us free from sin and death. That means the way has been made. My debt has been paid. Amen, church. That dirty and dark prison cell that I once sat in has been opened. Like the door is wide open. In Revelation chapter 1, Jesus says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death in the grave. When Jesus rose from the grave, he, he snatched the keys right out of Satan's hands. With those keys, he sets free all who will call upon his name. Isn't that good news? Yes, it's the gospel. The problem is Satan works overtime to bring condemnation. Like to, to keep people in their cell. So many Christians. So many Christians. The door is wide open. But we just sit there. When all we have to do is rise up and walk out the door. And the enemy knows that. So he's constantly coming against us. And so the first thing we have to do if we want to rise up in freedom is make your stand against the devil's schemes. Write that down. Make your stand against the devil's schemes. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here because I, I teach on this all the time. In fact, last spring, I taught four specific sermons on spiritual warfare. If that's something you need to learn more about and grow in, I encourage you to go back and listen. Four weeks back in the spring. But we need to learn to make our stand against the devil's schemes. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against, listen, against, check this out, the powers of this world's darkness. Any, anyone ever thought, this world sure is dark. Well, what do you think is driving that? 
oh, it's the big tech media. Well, they probably have a part to play in it. But Paul says that there are powers of this world's darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now let that sink in. Let it sink in. There are powerful spiritual forces in the heavenly realms that are working against us. Constantly promoting lies. And those lies that are whispered are different from, for every person. That's why they're called schemes, right? They're strategic for every individual. What the enemy is whispering in my ear is probably different than what he's whispering in your ear, but they're nonstop. And listen to me, every one of those lies are designed to make you a coward. They are. To rip away your confidence, your courage to steal life from you and to put you back into his prison of death. Again, the lies are endless. I don't have time to give you a list of lies. You know the lies. But I do want to bring attention to one lie that I believe he uses on everyone, and that's this. You can't win. You're not strong enough. You can't win. You're not strong enough. This lie is specifically designed to keep you from pursuing the Lord. In fact, to be afraid. To be afraid to pursue the Lord. It's no secret that when, we, that when we rise up and go for God, it immediately puts a target on our back. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's just the way it is. But if you've believed this lie, then you've believed that the enemy is more powerful than God. And that's his goal. And so now you just go along to get along. Because you don't want to be on the devil's radar. I've literally heard people say, I don't want to get on the devil's bad side. I'm like, you're already on the devil's bad side. You're on the devil's bad side because you're on God's side. Isn't that right? <sighs> if we just go along to get along, then it won't be long until we are long past gone. This lie rips away our spiritual courage and we start disengaging from the deeper things of the Lord to where we do just enough to get by. We go to church. We give our money, our tithes, and our offerings. We go to small group. And all those things are good, and they're right, and they're essential for our spiritual growth. They're all good things, but the deeper things, the deeper things of prayer and worship, pursuing the relationship that God himself wants to have with us. We're like, no, no way. If I get too close to God, the devil's going to mess with me. He's going to start making bad stuff happen in my life. I can't go there. I'm like, oh, I think the devil, the devil may have already messed with you. <laughs> right? Listen, any level of fear or cowardice anywhere you might Shrink back. He's already messing with you. I can't go for God. I mean, what if the devil makes me lose my job? Or what if he makes my, my kids sick? 
What if my car breaks down? Whatever it is, I'm just going to stay low profile because I don't want something bad to happen. Hebrews chapter 10, one of my favorite chapters. The writer says, do not throw away your confidence. It holds a great reward. You need to persevere so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he, Jesus, who is coming, will come and will not delay. But my righteous ones will live by faith. Listen. And if he shrinks back, I will take no pleasure in him. But we're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere their souls or preserve their souls. It's just not who we are if we are in Christ and Christ is in us, the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy 1, I want to show you this in um, the Amplified Version. I just love it. We're familiar with the, you know, with this verse, but look at it in the Amplified Version. Version. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. I love that. But this is the truth that the enemy is trying to tear down so that we will sit down back in his dungeon, old dungeon of doubt and despair and depression. Listen, Paul says, I think Paul gets this. There's something going on with Paul. I think he was working through something. You know what I mean? Because he talks about this all the time. So I'm listening to Paul because I think we are probably more alike than anybody else in the, in the Bible. He sounded like he was on a journey towards holiness. You know what I'm saying? But he says, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to the slaughter. <laughs> we face death all day long. And it's true. We just do. And if you're believing the lie that you can't win, you're not strong enough, you'll just go along to get along. Like with the devil. And that's weird. And it won't end well. If we just go along to get along, it won't be long until we're long past gone. A lot of people that have walked away from the Lord have done so out of fear. Out of fear of what it may cost them. And I want to tell you as, as your pastor, and if, if you're here and I'm not your pastor, or I'm not your pastor yet, I still want you to hear it. You can win. You are strong enough because you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God, not the measly stuff we can work out or put on. God's armor so that you can make your stand against the schemes of the devil. And this is one of my favorite verses. I, I say it all the time. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? You guys hear what I'm saying? 
death. You're jumping around. You guys ever watch those videos on YouTube, those who celebrate too early? You ever watch those? Those are hilarious. I think Satan celebrated too early when Jesus went into the grave. But Jesus rose from the grave. And when he did, he won the victory over death. And he also won the victory over sin. So let's talk about number two. If you want to rise up in freedom, you've got to make your body your slave. You've got to make your body your slave. Now, we have to rise up against the powerful forces in the spiritual realm, like we just talked about, but you also have to rise up against some very powerful forces in the natural realm. It's called the flesh. What is the flesh? The flesh is our own personal, lustful, sinful desires. Here are some examples of those sinful desires. Galatians chapter 5. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. That means when you see these things, they'll be obvious. That ain't good, right? The works of the flesh, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Remember, he said, they'll be obvious. The list is not complete here. You will know when you see the works of the flesh. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All of us have participated in one or more of these things. True or false? I mean, maybe we haven't dabbled in sorcery. But we've wallowed in jealousy. Right? And I always crack up at people who say, well, well my man, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. I'm like, no, he didn't. He did not. You wanted to look at that naked person. That's like, I just, you are the one who clicked on that link. You are the one who typed those words into the browser or whatever. You are the one who lost your temper. You're the one who drank too much. Our flesh is our own desires, not the devil. Okay, now our Evil desires, our fleshly desires are a tool that the devil will use to lure us back into his dungeon of death and despair, right? That's what James says in James chapter 1. Each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he is enticed and lured away. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Remember, the body of this death is two things, sin and death, death and sin. Satan is watching and waiting for something to bait us with. You, you guys picking up what I'm laying down? And it's not always fleshly desires, okay? It's not always weird and gross stuff that we do or, or don't do. Sometimes it's the pain that we experience in life. 
Satan loves to exploit our hurt. And when he does, he plants thoughts, lies into our mind so that he can change the trajectory of our life. Keep us from going towards God. Keep us in the prison cell. He doesn't want us walking out the door. Now, let me ask you a question. And, and you know, we're going to talk more about that next week. But the hurts and the pains. But this morning I'm talking about victory over sin. Okay? Let me ask you this. If the flesh is our own evil desires... And those desires are what the devil uses to entice us and lure us away. Then shouldn't we be very careful about what we acquire a taste for? People that struggle with pornography. They wish they had never started. They wish they had never gotten a taste of that perversion. Now they see sexual immorality and impurity and lust at the top of these lists, like this one here in Galatians chapter 5, and they realize they're in trouble because they can't stop looking. That's what it means to practice such things. When you do it over and over and over and you actually can't stop, you're actively pursuing that area of sin. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says to set the mind on, to set the mind on the flesh is death. It's like you've set your mind on that thing, whatever it is, for so long you literally crave it. Like you have to have it. Think about this. You have to have something that leads you to death. Even though with all your heart, that's not what you want. You want life. You want godliness. You want, you want to pursue his righteousness. That's called bondage. Being a slave to that sin. Romans chapter 6. I told you something was going on with Paul. He said, don't you realize that you become the slave? of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. There are a lot of Christians who are slaves to sin. And I know this is speaking to someone right now. Someone in this room, eyes are being opened. The light bulb is coming on. You finally realize that you are a slave to something. God loves you. He saved you. You're a, you're a born-again Christian, but you are still sitting in a prison cell. And it's time to rise up and walk out the door that Jesus opened for you. How do you do that? Well, Paul says in Romans 8, 6, this, the, to set the mind on the flesh, remember? To set the mind on the flesh is death. But, I love the buts in the Bible. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. To set the mind on the flesh is death. But, 
To set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Let's look at that Galatians 5 again. Let's put that up there. Galatians 5, remember, the works of the flesh are obvious. You'll know them when you see them. And he gives that long list. And then he says, I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, yes, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. And he gives this whole other list. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. They've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That means that whatever sin that you're a slave to, you've got to get aggressive. That's what that means. You've got to get aggressive. It may be a slow death, right? Look at Romans 8. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Again, it may be a slow death. 99% of the time, it takes time to crucify the flesh. It rarely happens in a moment. It's a journey. There's a progression, and God's in it and with you all the way. He promises he will be. And real quick, I want to give you a quick little formula. It's not exhaustive, but, man, these, these have worked in my life, okay? How to put to death the deeds of the body. Check these out real quick. Number one, decide. Decide. Decide that's what you want for your life. Decide that I'm not going to be that person anymore and do those things. I would love to get out of this cell. So I'm going to rise up. I'm going to walk out the door and walk in the freedom that Christ provided for me. You have to make that decision. That is a choice you make. Joshua 24, 15. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. You choose. It's your choice. Choose for yourself. It's your choice. Romans 6. Paul, <laughs> you became the slave of whatever you if you become the slave of whatever you choose, that's what he says. Whatever you choose to obey, that's what you'll be a slave of. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. You've got to make the choice. It starts with the decision, this is what I'm going to do. Number two, discipline. Discipline. God's done his part. Died on the cross, rose from the grave, sent us his Holy Spirit. Now we've got some work to do. And a lot of that work is, is practical. We've got to walk in discipline. Even Paul says that, 1 Corinthians 9. But I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave. How many of you remember that old translation that says, I buffet my body. I buffet my body and make it my slave. You guys remember that one? I don't like that one because I always got confused. I always thought he said, I buffet my body and make it come under my slave. I'm buffet. Man, I think that's counterproductive. I don't think that's what you were. So he says, I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I think you would agree with me when I say that a lot of Christians are disqualified. That's why people aren't coming to Christ in droves. Because those who may or may not share the message, their lifestyles don't reflect that. And so 
the word we hear all the time is hypocrisy, hypocrites, hypocrisy. Now we're all on a journey and God's grace is sufficient for us. But it is true that a lot of people are not disciplining their lives to go for God. They're not buffeting their body and making it come under submission to them. But it's part of the journey towards freedom. That's why fasting is so important. Fasting is huge for those who are pursuing his righteousness. Soma Church right now is in a 21-day fast. Many people are fasting. Everything from social media to breakfast or lunch or dinner or everything. Fasting helps reset your desires. We have these cravings, these acquired tastes that we want to get rid of. The only way you get rid of it is starve your flesh. Starve your flesh. Fast. And tell somebody you're doing it so they can ask you, you've been eating that stuff, you've been drinking that stuff, you've been looking at that stuff, what you've been doing. And give them permission to kick you in the shin. Whatever it takes, all right? But listen, it's not just physical. This whole thing of discipline. It's not just physical. In Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, says, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. Physical exercise is of limited value, but godliness is valuable in every way. Holding promise for the present life and for the one to come. Spiritual disciplines. Like prayer and worship, reading scripture, serving, tithing. You guys hear what I'm saying? In Titus 2, verse 12, I really like this. It says, God's grace, talking about God's grace, and then it says, God's grace instructs us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives. In this present age, we know this present age is crazy. And so what do we need to do? We need to renounce ungodliness. Remember, you got to get aggressive. You know how many times I have said no when all of a sudden I am overcome with lustful thoughts, inappropriate things going on in my head, pure, impure thoughts. No, <laughs> no. It's always kind of funny whenever you're doing it when you're driving and people are like, road rage. Many times, many times I've gotten alone and I have renounced ungodliness and worldly passions. I am not a pervert anymore. I am not a liar anymore. I am not a cheater anymore. I'm not insecure anymore. I am not an angry person anymore. I don't tell bad jokes anymore. <laughs> None of us are perfect, right? I still tell some bad jokes. That was a bad joke. Let's move on. The, the, the third thing is this, real quick. Don't stop. Don't stop. This is the problem for most. Most people don't have a problem getting started, jumping out there. This is what I want to do. And I'm going to set some, some goals. Those are great, but they're only as good as the follow through. 
It's like anything else. You can't have the, the full ownership with the title in your glove box of your vehicle unless you make all the payments. You can't be like a couple months in. It's like, you know, I, I don't really like throwing my money towards that. Well, then give me the car, <laughs> right? That's just not the way it works. It's follow through that gets you through to the end. Remember uh, Hebrews chapter 10, do not throw away your confidence. It holds great reward. He says, you need to persevere so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I have no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Of those who have faith and preserve their souls. I want to challenge you again. If you're Soma family or you're just a guest this morning, I want to challenge you to begin putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Whatever yours are, personally, put them to death. Okay, now you need to know your flesh is going to rebel. It's going to be hard. Your flesh is going to rebel. Galatians 5 says, I say walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh craves what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh and it says that they are at war with each other the spirit and the flesh are at war with each other remember we said if you just go along to get along it won't be long until you're long past gone did you know you can just get along with your flesh why don't want to not eat anything well, i like looking at that stuff i love being jealous and envious <laughs> whatever it is it's funny how we will just go along and get along with our flesh. We'll just get along because we don't like the resistance that it takes to move forward. But when you do that, it won't be long until you're long past gone. I think everyone in here knows that when you've done something for so long, even just a normal little habit that's not even sinful, biting your nails, it's an annoying little habit. I used to do it when I, was a, when I was a kid. And when I realized that's weird, I stopped. But you know how hard it was? I bit my nails for my whole life. That's not even sinful. How much more then when you're trying to pursue his righteousness and you have an enemy whispering lies and bringing darkness all day long? It's hard. Expect your flesh to rebel. Two more scriptures on this. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I love this. He goes on. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable. Always excel in the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And then I love this. We all know this. You are more than conquerors. In Christ Jesus, you are. Say that. I am more than a conqueror. Amen. Do we have time for one more? I want to share one more with you. And this one's going to feel like it doesn't quite fit with the rest of the sermon. But I want to share it. I don't want you to forget the previous two. 
But this third one is this. Make his voice your voice. Make his voice your voice. Now, this applies to making your stand against the schemes of the devil. It applies to making your body a slave. What does God's word say about your freedom? What does it say? Well, speak that. Declare that, right? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you on your journey from wretched to righteous? Declare those things out. Pray those things. Speak those things. Share those things, right? Also, make God's voice your voice and share your testimony with others. If you've journeyed an inch in freedom, pull your friend who also struggles with that inch. If it's a step, if it's a mile, share your testimony because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of His testimony, right? And Peter says that we've got to be willing to give an account of the hope that is within us at all times. If you're walking in any level of freedom, share that hope with someone else. Help them out of that dungeon of doubt and despair. Amen? But where I really want to take a moment and challenge you, again, in an area you may not even consider this. John chapter 8 says, you will know the truth. This is Jesus. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If the Son has set you free, then you really are free. It belongs to you. That, that, you're free. Galatians 5, Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ sets you free. Like that was what he wanted. He was super excited about providing you with freedom from sin and death. He says, stand firm then and do not be encumbered once more by a yoke of slavery. In other words, don't go backwards. Don't be encumbered by things that are going to put you back in that cell. Okay? This belongs to you. Don't let something rob it from you. Fight for it, right? Listen to me. Freedom is ours. It belongs to us in Christ. And that's why we fight for it. That's why we have to fight to have it. That's why we stand firm and we say no to whatever it is that threatens my freedom in Christ. It's like anything that belongs to it. If it's, if, to us. If it's ours, it's given to us as a gift. It's something that we inherited. It's something that we worked hard and saved up for and purchased. And it belongs to us. And someone tries to take it from us. Don't we have the right to say, no, no, you may not have that. Don't we have that right? It's not wrong to tell someone, no, you, you may not have that. It's not seditious. We're not being treasonous to any kind of standard. No, the standard is you can't take that. Stand up and defend someone who is trying to perpetrate your property, right? This is just a moral understanding. That is a scriptural principle. And I double checked just to make sure. All over the place, it says, you take somebody's stuff, you got to pay it back fivefold, tenfold, whatever it is. There's always a consequence. There are rules. There are laws against taking something that rightfully belongs to you. Amen. Right now, there's something that belongs to us that's being threatened.
And that's our national freedom. Political freedom, moral freedom, religious freedom, freedom of speech. And it seems like every day the list gets longer and longer of the things that people are trying to take from us. But it's not right. Because we have rights, right? We were given a gift a couple hundred years ago. It's called the U.S. Constitution that starts out with, we the people, (laughs) we the people of the United States of America. We the people have the right and the privilege to enjoy this type of life filled with freedom. But that is being threatened right now. Big time. I'm not going to get into all the ways that it is being threatened. I'm sure you see as much or maybe even more because I'm not overly political. And I try to focus more on what God's word than what someone else is trying to tell me. But there's enough to know something's up. If you don't see it, I don't know what to tell you. But something's up. Remember earlier we talked about the um, spiritual forces of this world, the powers of this world. They're on the move. It's not even about a nation. It's just about assiduous, insidious agenda of the enemy. There's a bigger game than America. But I'm telling you, for us, it's being threatened, and we feel that immediately. And we, we have the rights to say, no, you may not have that. Well, Pastor Tony, you know, as Christians, we don't really have rights. We've got to approach life humbly, and when someone strikes us, we turn the other cheek. And It's like, are you, for reals? That's not what Scripture says. That's not what that means. That's not what that's about. Yes, Pastor Tony, we've just got to take it. We lie down and let them stomp on our heads. No. That's not. That's not that's not the truth. No. There's nothing in scriptures that says that we we have to surrender to the abuse of bullies. Those who are, are powerful and big and strong that abuse that power by taking things from others. There's nothing in scripture that says that. Now it happens. And sometimes because an army is not big enough or strong enough, people are overtaken. Or if the Lord allows it, whether an army is big or strong enough or not, we get that in God's sovereignty. But in general, there's nothing that says just roll over and let them have it. No, it's actually the opposite. You may not know this scene, but in Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, 22, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 22, the Apostle Paul, man, he is on a mission and he's sharing the gospel everywhere. The Romans didn't like it, and so they arrest him, and they're questioning him and all this stuff, and and then they they are going to, um, it says that they're going to scourge him. Let me just read this in in Acts 22, starting in verse 22. It says, the crowd listened to Paul until he made uh, made this statement. Then they lifted up their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He is not fit to live. As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust in the air. Sounds like a riot to me. The commander ordered that Paul be brought into the barracks. He directed that Paul be flogged 
and interrogated to determine the reason for this outcry against him. They're going to flog him to find out why people are crying out against him. But as they stretched him out to strap him down, Paul said to the centurion standing there, um, real quick, is it lawful to flog a Roman citizen? And the centurion was like, what? <laughs> On hearing this, the centurion went, let me finish that statement. Is it wrong to flog a Roman citizen without a trial? On hearing this, the Roman centurion went and reported it to the commander. What are you going to do? This man's a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Paul said, yes. He didn't say, I am, but look, beat me. Just scourge me to death. I am, but what rights do I really have? No, with confidence, boldness, and peaceful interaction, he said, yes. And the commander said, well, I paid a high price for my citizenship. And Paul's like, I was born here. I was born a citizen. Then those who were about to interrogate Paul stepped back. And the commander himself was alarmed when he realized that he had put a Roman citizen in chains. Why? Because Paul had rights. He had rights as a Roman citizen. He didn't throw a fit. He didn't have a pipe bomb in his pocket. Just with peace and courage, he said, no. Just asking, but are you, are you supposed to take this from me? And they were like, Doo! you know, it's funny. I, I didn't know this. Melissa texted me yesterday uh, sometime midday, and she said, oh, my goodness. Did you know that yesterday was National Freedom of Religion Day? And I don't know if it had already been or if it was <laughs> declared. We got to pick a day, man. <laughs> National Freedom of Religion Day. I didn't know that. On Instagram, someone posted this and I thought we could read it real quick. This is Billy Graham, who I've never known to be, you know, a, a seditious or treasonous person. You know, it's not about that. Standing up your, for your rights. Just because you say no to something that belongs to you when someone wants to take it doesn't mean you're treasonous. It doesn't mean you're a rebel or you're doing something wrong. That you're a seditious person. You're just saying, no, that belongs to me. Look what Billy Graham says. Let us stand for political freedom, moral freedom, religious freedom, and the rights of all Americans. And let's never give in to those who would attempt to take it from us. I think we can all agree that this is not a seditious statement. This is someone who's saying, we have rights. And we can say, no, you may not have that. You may not take that. Amen. I wanted to share that with you. That it is okay in this time to make God's voice our voice. And with God in us, speaking truth in love, we say, no, no, actually, that's not legal. You don't have the right to do that. That belongs to me. We don't raise a stink. We don't cuss and throw a fit like a baby. 
We don't storm capitals. We just use God's voice, his word. What's the spirit saying? And we make his voice our voice and we share those things. At the end of the day, we know God is sovereign and he's moving everything towards a prescribed end. And maybe this is just a season where God's like, hey, we, we, I'm, I'm rest to go. Let's get this done. If so, then if we find ourselves with a lack of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, unable to gather in a time like this sometime in the near future, then we rise up with boldness and courage. And we continue being godly. And we fight for ways to interact with other saints. While we still can. Amen. I want you to stand. I want to pray for us. I want you to listen to me. This last point was unique and I get that. But I don't want you to forget the first two. That we've got to make our stand against the schemes of the devil. And we've got to make our body our slaves. The better, do that, the better we do that, the more able and powerfully we will be when we make his voice our voice. Amen. So don't forget the other two. And in fact, I want to promote something. If you're here and, and this idea of freedom in Christ is kind of pricking your heart this morning and you want more of that, for the month of March, we're going to have um, four weeks on Wednesday nights. Uh, it's a class. I'm going to teach it. Melissa and I called Freedom in Christ. Four weeks where we'll really get into this um, with what the Bible says and practical ways to walk it out. And if that's something that you're interested in, you can actually sign up for it right now. Somatile.org slash freedom. Sign up for it. And we'll leave this, we'll leave this on uh, when we're dismissed, in case you want to write that down. I'm going to pray and bless you guys. Ask God to seal this time of teaching. If you're here, after I dismiss, and there's anything that you need prayer for, anything in these areas, if there's concern or questions you might have, or you just need prayer for anxiety that you've been having about what is going on in the world, you need prayer for anything, I want to invite you, once we're dismissed, to come to the front. We'll have some leaders available to pray for you. If you are a guest, once you're done praying or immediately, I encourage you to go to the kitchen area for coffee, cookies, and connection. Guests. Guests. I invite you, guests. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. And we're so grateful because the days are steadily getting darker. And oftentimes we have a hard time discerning which way to go, which voice to listen to. So many agendas. Help us to focus on your agenda, which is seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill us fresh and new. Baptize us in your spirit fresh and new today.
we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.